Hi, this is Mark Iskowitz, and welcome to the MMN Podcast for the week of August 30th, 2021. Doctors are the front lines of defense against the COVID-19 pandemic. But one thing coronavirus laid bare is that the health system does not always care for the mental health of the medical workers who keep it going. The need to support doctors and address the mental health toll on the health workforce has never been greater. This week on the podcast, what one medical system is doing about physician burnout. And here with us this week is Steve Nelson, CEO of DePage Medical Group, to talk more about it. Hey, Steve, welcome to the MMNM Podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. Absolutely great to have you. We'll get back to the interview in a moment. Just first, a couple of housekeeping items. DEI Deciphered uh, is an event that MMNM has coming up on September 23rd. Uh, we'll be convening in New York City, uh, a range of stakeholders in a unique roundtable format, to explore how industry can affect progress in the diversity, equity, and inclusion area. And you can register for that online at dei-deciphered.com. Secondly, uh, join us in person or virtually. The choice is yours the evening of October 7th, uh, again in New York City for the venerable MMM Awards Ceremony taking place downtown at our traditional venue, Cipriani Wall Street. We have an amazing evening in store, and you can register for that one at mmm-awards.com. Okay, back to the interview with Steve. DuPage Medical Group is the largest independent multi-specialty physician group in Illinois with more than 750 primary care and specialty care physicians in over 100 suburban Chicago locations. And Steve, you're a pretty experienced exec with over 30 years in healthcare. You took over as CEO in July 2020 in the midst of the pandemic. Tell us what that was like. I'm going to start by just uh, saying it was both... um, you know, it's been challenging and fulfilling at the same time, as you can imagine. You know, when you think about a healthcare organization in the pandemic, you have uh, multiple layers of challenges. You have all the challenges that, that sort of normal businesses do, which is keeping your staff safe and supply chain issues. And, um, you know, do you stay open? Do you not stay open? Is there a demand for your product? You know, all those things, right? If you're a healthcare company, you have all those, but at the same time, you're trying to actually deliver care to folks who are uh, being affected by the by the pandemic, in addition to all the other healthcare things that are urgent and emergent, as well as just sort of ongoing and trying to figure out, you know, which things can be safely taken care of during the pandemic and not. So you have sort of all the normal business challenges with all with actually trying to provide care. So I think that's been challenging. The fulfilling part has really been seeing um, our organization respond to the challenges um, in the, you know, in the face of a lot of different unknowns, hardships, uh, sort of questions about when does it end? You know, when when does my shift end? I mean, it's just a, a, and, you know, it's very much connects with the topic at hand today around uh, the burnout of our our, uh, physicians and clinical staff, but mostly I've seen heroic but also sustainable. You know, sometimes we talk about heroic as sort of this one time, but when you see it day after day and, and you know, sort of hour after hour, week after week, month after month, you start saying, wow, this is actually pretty darn special. And then the last is just sort of forget about the pandemic, you know, um, trying to uh, think about how to actually transform healthcare. And one of the reasons I'm here is because I think DuPage Medical Group is an incredible platform to get back to the patient physician relationship and and try to solve some of the problems in healthcare. So for all those reasons, it's been both challenging and fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that heroicism that you saw last year, and I'm sure continue to see is very inspiring. How were DuPage medical staff affected by the pandemic? 
Yeah, I think there's definitely a range of reaction, emotion, ability to kind of hang in there. For, first of all, we've, we've um, put, you know, our employee safety and physician safety at the forefront, because obviously if they're not safe and healthy, then they can't take care of others. So <clears throat> that's been um, a focus. And so whether it's, you know, vaccines, testing, um, we've made that um, a priority. In addition to when we, when we think about um, the kind of that sustainability of that, that pace and trying to figure out how to do that, we've, we've really tried to focus on um, the mental health as well of our staff. And we can talk more about that, but that's been an important and, a, you know, I would say there's some innovation that's come out of that, um, but, but I think that's been, that's been key. But overall, they've been handling it, you know, really well. Super grateful for, for our team and, and what they've done. One area I know you're especially passionate about, as we said, is, is making it a top priority within DuPage around overall burnout impacting healthcare workers due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. First, how do you define burnout? Well, <clears throat> there's been a lot written on this, so I'm not going to try to say it better than others, but you know, there's about 50% or so, some, a lot of estimates um, are as high as 50% of physicians are suffering from, from some form of burnout. How I like to think about it is um, it's just this sort of mental place that you get to where, where you, and, and physical place where you say, I'm, I'm working as hard as I can and I'm not seeing results. You know, I'm, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing a lull. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I just, I, I kind of, I forgot what, what I'm doing and why I'm here. So there's this, this kind of hopelessness that I equate to the burnout, which does affect your physical and mental health. What are some of the systemic contributors to mental health problems in the health workforce? And can you tell me about your efforts in this area? Yeah, um, I'm going to start really high level here, but, you know, I, I've been kicking around the healthcare system for over 30 years now um, in a variety of companies, variety of roles. And, you know, we, a lot of us who have been at this for a while consider healthcare to be one of the wicked problems of the world, meaning that there doesn't seem to be sort of an easy solution um, sort of lack of accountability, um, not great incentives, um, and and just seems to be when you when you solve one problem, it pops up you know someplace else. So you have this sort of wicked problem scenario, um, and because of that, you have a lot of people coming in with a lot of different solutions. <clears throat> some some well intended, some you know purely economically and opportunistically driven. Um, but for the most part, a lot of well-intentioned, you know, sort of folks that are trying to create solutions, but because it's not really acting as a system, um, you get this sort of a fragmented, um, not connected approach. And if you are the physician or you are a clinician at the forefront of actually trying to deliver care to a patient, you bear the brunt of all that fragmentation. So you have all the different, you know, rules from payers. You have sort of the hospital dynamics. You have kind of what's going on in the clinic. You have regulatory issues. You have your own sort of economics. And then there's this kind of mismatch of expectations sometimes that you had when you started medical school. You know, why, and again, I'm not a physician, but I have been surrounded with them um, and, and work closely with them over my whole career. 
And I, I have a lot of conversations with docs to say, you know, I was sort of thinking one thing and now, you know, 15 years out or even five years out or 20 years out, it's not really what I was expecting. And, and that disconnect and that dissonance, I think, contributes to it as well. So I think you have a lot of sources um, and they're complicated. Tell, tell me about what DuPage is doing in, in this area. I think we're trying to take a multi-faceted um, approach. Uh, first of all, it starts with you have to acknowledge that you know it's real, and and it is. I think a lot of physicians grow up in the through their medical school and, and training with a you know a super um, tough mindset where okay, you know I, I can I can work through the night, multiple nights, I can do whatever it takes, and um, and I think acknowledging us, uh, the system, acknowledging that, that that's not what we're asking for and that's not what's needed. So, so we, we, we need to sort of acknowledge that, that there may be an expectation that's not sustainable and, and it's okay to raise your hand and say, I need help. You know? So just creating that kind of environment and the opportunity to have that conversation, I think is, is actually a super big deal and it's something that, that, we're, that we're doing. Um, and, and that affects both physical and mental health. So we're, we're putting in place some um, coaching, more like life coaching, and that emotional support, um, uh, both personally and through technology. We've provided each of our physicians um, the Calm app, access to that, for example, so you, you know, uh, get good at meditation and try to get good night's sleep and, you know, some sort of coping mechanisms. Um, so that's one. The other thing is trying to create a better environment to do doctoring. So using technology better uh, right now, technology in a lot of ways is kind of working against them is actually creating more complexity and more administrative burden, but there's a way to use technology differently and better that can help them practice better evidence-based medicine in a more effective way at the same time, um, allowing them room to, to actually talk to patients. So there's a lot of physicians who I would say they wear it as a badge of honor almost that, Hey, I saw 45 patients today. And when you think about, okay, what, what must have that have been like for both the patient and you, is that really what we're going for here? You know? And, and the answer is no, that's not what we're going for. Trying to reimagine what good healthcare looks like and how the incentives line up without working with payers working with our physician partners and trying to create better alignment. And then the physical space as well. You know, um, one of the things that, that we've taken a hard look at is this idea of when the patient comes into the room, it's just sort of set up where you have a glass jar full of cotton balls on the thing, which nobody knows why, why those are there, you know? <laughs> and then you have a... Oh, I've that. Yeah, no one knows. Um, and then you have a, uh, you know, sort of a laptop that you're kind of typing away. You're asking them the same questions that they got asked five times already before you get to them as a physician. And you're, they're sitting on a exam table with a, you know, on a piece of paper. And really what you just need is a conversation. So we're redesigning the clinical space so you can have a conversational room. If you need an exam, you can move into a different room. And I think the idea of just sort of humanizing the experience for both physicians and patients goes a long way. So it has to be kind of all those things together. And then last, I would say we're creating programs, uh, very specific programs to help 
physicians become good leaders. Um, one of the things that has, is true is that physicians like to look up to other physicians, and, but they don't get leadership training you know, or sort of business skills. And so we're, we're formalizing that program. We'll have multi, multiple kinds of um, ways to help physicians um, sharpen their business acumen and their leadership skills because they, they each are leading the team. But they've never really, they've only, they've only seen that behavior modeled and not necessarily that great as they've come up through training. So, so a, a lot there, um, Mark, but I think that, you know, it does take a bunch of different sort of angles here um, in order for us to get a really complicated and a, and a very important issue. Certainly, there's there's a lot there. As we said earlier, burnout has been one of the collateral health effects from the pandemic on the healthcare workforce. If a doctor or allied health practitioner, uh, nurse, uh, what have you, come to you or come to their superior uh, with a request for mental health care, how is that handled? Absolutely, they have. And, and again, I'm going to go back to something I said earlier, which is first, you have to create the space and the environment and, and the sort of a, um, inclusive atmosphere and culture that allows that to be okay. So there's a sort of well-oiled way where, where, where there's a, a reach out and a confidential um, catching of those requests. Um, also, uh, proactively, we have a uh, very collaborative team dynamic where we have physician department heads, we have section heads, we have um, team leads. So, so we have a lot of leadership spots where these individuals can proactively uh, reach out to them too and say, hey, it seems like you might be going through a tough time right now, or it seems like you're kind of getting behind or you feel frustrated. You know, can we be helpful? I think, I think if you always wait for somebody to reach out, you, you're, you're, you're missing opportunities it's tricky, um, so we're giving our leaders some training on how to do that as well. Do you think that overall um, that the health system does a good enough job to support the mental health of, uh, of medical workers? I do not. Um, in fact, I think we talk about pandemic like coronavirus, talked about other kinds of epidemics or you know in our, in our um, sort of country and history. I think mental health is an absolute epidemic. We don't have a good solution for it. It's um, still not well understood. There's there's a lack of evidence and protocols of how to deal with it. There's a misunderstanding, and and I you know spent a lot of time in the payer system um, and other places about how to how to reimburse it, how to support it, how to grant access to it. So no, we have not um, done a good enough job for the healthcare front front line. But I'm just saying, that, you know, our entire population, um, we have not done a good job on that. And so, so one of the things I'm personally interested in at DuPage Medical Group, we want to we want to um, be uh, a thought leader in not only how do you provide you know great mental health support to healthcare workers, but to, you know, all the folks we serve. And there's a lot of innovation around this, um, around being able to use um, technology and, and other kinds of um, between visit uh, approaches to help folks have better coping mechanisms. And, and again, it starts with a better recognition and, and um, empathy towards uh, mental health issues and 
and the willingness to uh, face them head on and not kind of ignore them. Yeah. We, we mentioned earlier some of the things that could be working against healthcare providers in this area. In the area of healthcare policy, sometimes when a uh, clinician discloses such an issue involving mental health to their state medical board, uh, their licensure board, it's not always handled in, in the right way, or it's, I will say it's not always handled in, in an empathetic way, but that can work against them. Are you satisfied with, with policy change in that area, or do you think policies need to be altered to, to further support the mental health of, of the healthcare workforce? I think that we're making progress, uh, and I, I'm not as close to the policy side on this particular issue, um, but more, more holistically, it, it has had a bit of a history of being punitive. It, it doesn't create, like I said, the pipes to kind of get connected to the help and the support that people need. So, so I think we need to keep working on that. Um, at the same time, we need to be careful about making sure patients can feel comfortable that they're in a safe environment. You know, so I I get why there's you know why there's attention on it and there's you know sort of strict protocols and policies around that. But I just think overall, again, the our overarching approach to mental health in this country has some improvement opportunities, you know? So I think this would be in that, that category. I think the awareness and understanding of it is definitely rapidly increasing. And so I, I would, I would like to believe um, that the policies and the, the way we think about it is, is going to get, you know, better rapidly. Um, and we're going to definitely push that. Sure. Yeah. Certainly a balance there. Uh, let's shift gears for a moment and just talk a little bit about technology. Uh, a majority of doctors say their medical system was forced to make tech upgrades during the pandemic. I'm curious, what kind of technology progress did DuPage make over the past year or so? And where would you say the biggest leaps have been made? Yeah, sure. It's it's interesting. I think when, when people say that, usually they're referring to specifically during the pandemic, um, telehealth or televisits. Um, and, and we were in the middle of the bell-shaped curve there where, where we had a pre-pandemic, a small percentage of our visits being virtual to a large percentage of our visits being um, virtual. And now, you know, it's kind of come moderated a bit, but, but that, that sort of mindset shift and that opportunity to think differently about what a, what a visit with your provider looks like is my opinion permanently changed. It's similar to, I don't think any of us, you know, will ever think about banking in a physical banking branch. You know, it's just, there's sort of permanent shift. We're going to build on that. So, so that's one for sure, but then you get to how do you use it? you know, um, for example. So I think where the innovations have been coming here is not necessarily new technology, but it's using it better, differently, more of it. So I'll take televisits, for example. Right now, uh, when you come into a primary care physician and, you know, something is discovered that, that requires the help of a specialist, you then leave um, and you go get, you know, you have to make another appointment to get your CAT scan or your visit with orthopedic surgeon or whatever happens. And that's another six weeks. And then, you know, you're, you're sort of struggling with your thing for however long, right? And it's super frustrating, hard to navigate. What we're implementing is um, right then we can either click a toggle on the screen that's in the room, or we can walk you into another room where it's a televisit room where specialists are standing by 
to actually have that visit right then while you're there with the primary care doc in the room. You know, so these are new ways of using technology that's been around. I mean, the other thing is part of the advancement in technology has been around um, electronic medical records or personal health records. In a lot of ways, that's a helpful piece of technology, but it also creates a bunch of keystrokes and different things that docs have to do while you're in the room with them, you know, and it, it does as the patient. We're moving the screens and moving the laptops, you know, so they're not in between you, but also we're working with electronic medical record um, partners and other technology and other vendors from other industries to help us think differently about when a physician walks in a room, you know, when I, when you pick up your smartphone, you have face recognition and you don't have to log in every time. Every time a physician walks in a room, they have, there ought to be some way for the system just to recognize them. The artificial intelligence and the, the geofencing and all that can recognize that that patient is in the room and they get their, their information gets populated. And so there are ways to use very, actually not that complicated technology to make this interaction a lot, you know, fewer keystrokes, less administrative and very real time. In addition to that, um, technology should be working to augment decision-making and using all the data we have to help physician practice evidence-based medicine. One source of burnout that I didn't mention is it's impossible to stay up with the literature. It is just impossible. When, when, when I have something and I feel an ailment, I come into the physician's office, I have read every single article um, you know, on every single uh, academic and non-academic site that I can find, my physician doesn't have a chance of being that caught up, you know, on that specific thing. And so why can't we use more technology so it's populating the screen for them for the best treatment, best cost, most effective. And then last, um, you know, I think technology creates an opportunity to have a different conversation with patients. Um, we, we imagine a scenario where um, we're, we're very fond of this concept and our purpose is to help humans flourish. We're very excited about the concept of helping people flourish. And so can you imagine walking into a, a physician's office and you have something and instead of their first question saying, what brings you in here today? It looks like you have a sore throat or whatever you have. The first question is, I noticed that you filled out our our electronic record and you you had you you answered the question what helps you flourish i noticed you talked about you know being able to spend more time with your grandkids what i'd love to do is have a conversation with you about how i could help you as your physician spend more time with your grandkids and it all immediately you know you're in there to because you have a sore throat but this is this is what healthcare should be like and so using technology to kind of help physicians have a different conversation with patients we think there's a bunch of exciting sort of opportunities with, and, and then I haven't even got into what happens between visits and, you know, um, with, with technology. So a lot, a lot there. Technology has not helped healthcare as much as other industries. Um, and I'm excited to use it differently with the help of folks that are in other industries outside of healthcare. You said a lot there, but, um, you know, you talked a lot about electronic medical records. The same study that I was citing earlier, which is a Google study, showed a lot of doctors uh, feel that interoperability holds the, the best chance of helping us to improve 
patient outcomes. But as, as you mentioned, from a patient point of view, the improvements are oftentimes most felt in the doctor-patient relationship. So it seems like you're really paying a lot of attention to how to bring technology to improve that as well. When you think about as a consumer, <clears throat> the different experiences you have outside of healthcare, and then you walk into healthcare, and we've been, I would say, through learned behavior, you know, experiences, or whatever, you know, we've come to our standards get lower when we walk in sort of the healthcare system as a consumer of healthcare. You would never walk into a physician's office where they hand you a clipboard and tell you to start filling out stuff with one of the 17 pins that are in the cup, you know, that have been in the clean jar. You know, you're just like, what, what is going on here? You know, um, because I just, I, while I was doing that, I was actually buying school supplies for my kids on Amazon. And so it's, it's just such a big contrast and a gap and the opportunity to catch up, you know, is real. And it's, and it, it won't take much because again, the technology is there, but your interoperability thing is, is a real challenge. Um, because, you know, there's three or four big EMR systems and they do not work together and they kind of want it that way. And so that's not helpful. Um, so I think there's an opportunity to work on that. And organizations like ours are taking on the challenge of how can we be agnostic? Could your personal health information be on your phone and that gets uploaded every time you walk into a doctor securely? And so there's a lot of things that, that could happen. On that, but uh, but work to do, and but we're we're in the middle of it, and excited about it. Sure, yeah. Managing uh, everybody else's burnout must be hard for you as a health exec. How do you deal with stress? Oh, such a good question. <laughs> um, I do I do a few things. One is, um, and, and you know, I've been at it for a while, so this is this has been a journey. I find myself now um, being pretty clear about what my priorities are. You know, and I think that's where it starts. I, I care about relationships, my family. Um, I care about my health and I care about my work, you know. Um, and, and I would say I try not to get those things too mixed up. And when they're out of balance, I'm better at correcting um, that balance, you know, now in my career. But, but some of the sort of the tools that I use is I do try to get um, good sleep. I, I believe in that. Um, and I'm, I'm an endurance athlete and I've spent a lot of time, you know, training and doing things. And it's, um, I, I have learned that sleep is actually better for your health than a long run, <laughs> you know, and, and it's taken me a while to kind of like actually believe that. And so um, I think placing importance on sleep, I've become a fan of uh, meditation. I never thought I would ever say, um, I, and because I thought, oh, my, my run is my meditation or my bike ride is my meditation, but actually sitting quietly for 10 minutes in the morning before I start my day. So I, I have a morning routine that I go through that, um, is critical to sort of my, my health. And then this is maybe easier said than done, but when you are in stressful work, if you can find purpose in it and it feels fulfilling, then somehow that feels less stressful to me than when I'm doing things like we talked about back to the, the burnout scenario where I'm just like spinning and I'm just not making any progress. And, I'm, and I wake up and I go, what am I doing this for? As long as I can tie my work and my energy and my efforts back to a purpose, it just feels better to me. So I think it's a combination of all those things. That's kind of how I think about it. 
Well, thank you for uh, talking about how the healthcare system is transforming uh, from your perspective. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for the conversation and opportunity. A super important topic and uh, um, appreciate you bringing it up. Absolutely. Well, that's it for this week's show. I want to thank you, Steve, again for joining us. Uh, if you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up. Better yet, subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and help others discover the show. The MMNM podcast is produced by Deborah Stoll, Gordon Failer, and Bradley Weems. We're out every week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you.